Hey there, welcome to Mountain Meister. This is Ben speaking, your host. Today's guest knows a thing or two about running, so I couldn't help but bring up that I'm running a marathon. You know, I was looking for some advice, maybe some encouragement, but then I realized we're going to be competing against each other. Good luck on your marathon. <laughs> thanks, thanks. It's uh, November 2nd, New York City. Are you doing New York? Yep. Mm-hmm. I've got one piece of advice on New York. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Don't pass me. You will not even need to remotely worry about that. (laughs) I do New York every year, so I'll I'll see you there. All right, sounds good. Okay, so I don't think you're going to be able to help me beat this person. Actually, I know you won't be able to help me beat this person, like I alluded to there. But I am running the marathon for charity for the Challenged Athletes Foundation, and I need your help raising some money. For those of you who donate, the top three donors will automatically, automatically receive a Jansport multi-day backpack. Then I'm going to give away one more to a random person who donates. You can find out how to donate by going to our website, mtnmeister.com. Who are the Mountain Meisters? Committing to the goal and galvanizing you and your team behind that one single focus. Being at peace with that fear and being okay with it. You gain a real appreciation for your life and for what you have. Learn about their extreme lives on rock, snow, and ice with your host, Ben Shank. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Mountain Meister. I'm happy to announce that today we have ultra marathon man Dean Carnassus on Mountain Meister. And Dean, I, I went for a quick four-mile run this morning, and you were telling me that you didn't run this morning. So <laughs> I am up on you today for my mileage. But for our listeners, there's a few things that Dean has done that I haven't which include 50 marathons in 50 different states over 50 days, a 350 continuous mile run without sleeping for three nights. And you've also, Dean, done ultra marathons in Death Valley at temperatures over 130 degrees and a marathon in the South Pole at negative 40. Congratulations on all of your accomplishments. Quite impressive. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just glad to still be alive. <laughs> <laughs> so for our listeners, Dean was named one of Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People in the World. He's been featured on 60 Minutes, Howard Stern, ESPN, and now Mountain Meister. Dean, thank you. Well, the, the latter is my most prized media. I, I absolutely agree. All right, so Dean, when we first hear all of these accomplishments, honestly, I'm thinking this guy's a freak of nature. He's been running for his entire life, ever since he can walk, and it just escalated since. I mean, there's no other logical way to explain how somebody could run for three consecutive days without sleeping. But that's not exactly the case. I mean, how did all of this start? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, I started running home from kindergarten when I was six years old. I remember um, I was the oldest child in a family of three. And uh, when my youngest sister came along, my, my mom was having a hard time uh, getting me home from kindergarten because she had two kids, uh, two young kids in the house. So I just said to her, don't worry about it, Mom. I'll get myself home. And she said, how? And I said, well, I'll, I'll just start running. <laughs> <laughs> and I found that I loved it. I mean, that's kind of how I related to the world is, is running. And, uh, you know, I had a hard time sitting through, through class, as most, you know, six-year-old boys do. But I used to love to run home from school. 
and I ran uh, all the way until I was uh, a freshman in high school. I ran competitively on the cross-country team in high school, and then you're right, I quit running altogether uh, for over 15 years. I uh, didn't run. I went to college, you know, went to graduate school, went to business school, and then on my 30th birthday, I was in a bar, um, you know, with my buddies doing what we do on our 30th birthday. <laughs> And at 11 o'clock at night, I told these guys I, I was leaving, and they said, oh, they, you know, what, what's going on? And so it's your birthday, you're 30, and let's get another round of tequila. And I said, no, 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 I'm going to go uh, uh, run 30 miles right now to celebrate my 30th birthday. And they <laughs> laughed at me. They said, you're, you're not a runner, you're drunk. And I said, yeah, I am, but I'm, I'm still going to do it. And I literally walked out of the bar that night then and um, ran 30 miles, just headed off into the night. And I should say I stumbled or hobbled 30 miles. <laughs> well, at least uh, for the beginning, you were probably stumbling around, right? <laughs> so, I sobered up about halfway through it. Yeah, you're right. And I thought, well, what am I doing? This is ridiculous. But uh, I still kept going. Yeah, I thought it, it just felt like the right thing to do. So It's so peculiar, but also very cool. Why are you still running today? So some, you just fell in love with this or re-fell in love with this, I guess? You know, to me, running is just the ultimate freedom. I, I was I was just bored with my life. There was no intensity in my life. There was no sense of struggle. I mean, everything seemed to come easily. You know, I had a cush corporate job, you know, a fat paycheck, and all the things I thought that were going to make me so happy uh, weren't. They were actually making me miserable. And I just loved the freedom of just putting on a pair of shoes and heading out the front door. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's interesting because the more I've kind of – um, you know, thought about what what is my passion in running, it, it's maybe a bit different than other people's. And, you know, we all have our different passions. I mean, a lot of people run to race. I mean, they, they see running as training. <laughs> mm-hmm. Every every session they go out running is, is with a, you know, a purpose to complete a marathon or to PR at a 10K or whatever it might be, or to lose weight or whatever. Um, I, I just, I really love the adventure of running. I mean, I, I told you yesterday I went to for a 22-mile uh, run. I just chose a route I'd never been on before. Mm. And um, I didn't go necessarily fast. I mean, when I felt like going fast, I pushed it. Uh, when I didn't, I kind of just backed off the pace. I wore a GPS just to see the distance I was covering, but that was it. I just kind of looked around, saw the new sights, smelled the air, and kind of just enjoyed the adventure of it and the freedom of it all. Yeah, yeah, it's neat that everybody has kind of a different passion, like you said. So you would still say that in ultra marathoning, that variety and passion is still there for different runners. Yeah, I would say it is. I, I you know, I would, I think um, there's a lot of people that have the same mindset as me. Uh, you know, of course, I still, I still like competition. I still enjoy competition. I still train for competition, but at other times, I don't. And I think we all have our own, you know, internal drivers. I know some guys I train with, that's all they think about is, is running and racing. And every time they go out, it's with, a, you know, it's with the intent of building their endurance for a specific event. Mm-hmm. Uh, other people I go out with, some of them don't even, you know, they just, they just enter ultras because they love ultras. Yeah. <laughs> they love the food at the aid station. <laughs> they, they don't care. You know, they just want to finish the race and they want to go out there and enjoy the experience. And I think uh, to each their own, wherever your passions are, I think that the main thing is that you're getting out the door and you're kind of engaging in life. Absolutely. And a lot of what you talk about is stepping outside of your comfort zone. And we talk a lot about that on the show here. Um, You're a big advocate of it. Why is it so important to step outside of your comfort zone? 
I think because it's expansive. I think that you know, running translates into many life lessons, and I think that you learn a lot about yourself when you do things beyond your limits, or at least you think they're beyond your limits. And I think you become a better person because of it. And I think it also breaks down preconceived notions of your limitations. <laughs> you know, when I first heard about a 100-mile foot race, I thought, what? Hold <laughs> it. A human being is in- incapable of running 100 miles. I mean, I hate driving 100 miles. There's no way someone can run continuously for 100 miles. There's got to be trickery, you know? Before I started the show, I didn't even think that that existed. Yeah, and I just, it blew my, I couldn't wrap my head around it. I thought, there's, how on earth does someone run continuously for that distance? And then, you know, the first time I went out and did it myself, I, I just proved to myself that, man, you, you know, you, you, uh, <laughs> you're actually better than you thought you were. <laughs> and you can go further than you thought you could. And, you know, that lesson translates into all, all types of things. Yeah, I like how you put that. It's expansive. Good term. But the comfort zone doesn't always have to be, physical does it maybe the physical comfort zone's a little bit more tangible but i feel like there are parts where you can step outside of your mental comfort zone but i guess that's ultra marathoning too right you're stepping outside of your mental comfort zone i think that ultra marathoning is very symbolic because um of the quantifiable nature of it like we just said you know 100 miles you know is 100 miles and uh, you know that it's it's a kind of a black and white lesson right i mean life is is not always black and white it's you know shades of gray i mean we think we're moving in the right direction and um you know the the finish line um changes or something so mm-hmm. life can be confusing and ultra marathon you know the rules of engagement are are clear i mean there's a starting point and it might be some fantastic distance away that there's a finish line and to succeed, <laughs> you know, you get from the starting point to the finish point, and and if you don't, if you don't make it that far, uh, you don't succeed, and that's very clear. So I think um, ultra marathoning is symbolic in that way, but um, certainly, I noticed that in other elements of my life, both um, intellectually, spiritually, family, I've been much more open to you know trying new things and taking on new challenges, um, not related to running because of those experiences and the translation of knowing, you know, I mean, I think it was, uh, <laughs> it was Plato that said, uh, know thyself. And I think that's great wisdom because, um, you, you learn a lot about yourself. You learn about your vulnerabilities. You learn a lot about your weaknesses when you run an ultra marathon because the, you know, the, the layers are peeled back and the, and the true you, uh, is revealed. And sometimes that's not always pretty. Sometimes you learn things about yourself you don't like. And, you know, you can make adjustments from those lessons that, uh, you know, you can be more compassionate toward others, uh, more compassionate toward family members, more understanding. And I think you learn a lot of those lessons through running. Yeah, absolutely. And I was watching some highlights of your numerous runs, one of which was across the country. And there are definitely emotional swings. And, you know, it's like, I think that's why the experience part of this is so important and in, in actually doing things because, you know, you can potentially expect those things to happen, but when you're really in the moment, that's when you learn about yourself. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, you know, a hundred mile race is kind of a microcosm of life in a lot of ways. There, there are great highs where you feel like, you know, you could go on forever and you're invincible and, you know, 20 steps later, <laughs> there might be a, a devastating low where you feel like, man, I can't, I can't move. I can't go forward. I'm, I'm done. And I think you learn a, a lot in the course of, you know, running for 24 hours. 
And I think some, some of that magic is perhaps lost when you start um, introducing too much of the competitive element because it becomes less about your experience and more about you know racing against competitors and so forth. So I think there's a clear delineation between running and racing. And I've always said that to people, that um, there, there really is a difference. So when you go out running, do you have a specific distance or a specific time in mind? Some days I do. Uh, you know, in training, some days I, I train uh, very specifically, and other days I don't. Other days I don't even wear a watch. I just literally, um, you know, put on a hydration pack, mm-hmm. uh, you know, maybe throw some cash in there and my cell phone and just head out the door and say, today I'm going to be gone for six or eight hours. I'm going to be on my feet. I'm going to be running when I can. If I, you know, if I feel like uh, I'm bonking, I feel like there's a coffee shop and I want a latte, I'll grab a latte and just keep going. <laughs> I, I found the, that part just so hilarious. And for our listeners, there's lots of different interviews out there. Just type in Dean's name on YouTube. But oh, when you're on a Conan or uh, Letterman and they ask you what you eat during this thing and you're ordering pizzas during your run, it's just, <laughs> it is really funny. Um, so I encourage the listeners to check those out. Yeah, no, I mean, with so many people, and you know, when they think about running, they think about, oh gosh, it's misery. Okay, I got to run for a half an hour today. But, you know, it, it's very, <laughs> it's very limiting in the way they look at running. It's just like, okay, I got to go get it done. Um, you know, we're going to go for one hour in the park, or you know, how far did you run today? And to say to someone, well, I, I don't know how far I ran. I was, I was gone for eight hours. <laughs> I know that, and I was, you know, I saw some great things and chatted, chatted with some people, and yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that um, ever since I I started this podcast, I have like a lot to think about. There's always stuff like I need some time away from different things to think. And that's what running has really allowed me to do is just find some time to remove myself from certain situations and just think. Well, you know, I'm not a a very good writer, for one. And I'm also a, you know, pretty strong introvert, a very strong introvert. And I get overwhelmed in, in crowds, that's for sure. And um, I get overstimulated very easily. Mm-hmm. You know, introverts by nature, that's kind of, you know, our, our, <laughs> our composition, our DNA. Mm-hmm. And so I've written my books while I've been running. I literally just go out on long runs with a, with a digital tape recorder. And like you said, it's the one time where you can just think for yourself. You're not being bombarded with, you know, texts and tweets and, yeah. Um, ads coming at you and everything else. It's just kind of a time where you can really just, you know, contemplate and, and dig deeper on thoughts and feelings. And I think that's why a lot of runners um, are very, um, almost spiritual, I would say. They're very aware, self-aware. And I think that, you know, when you go out running by yourself for hours, you're kind of, you know, you're, you're forced into that position. And to me, it's a time of rejuvenation, of healing. (laughs) You know, I can kind of clear my mind. I mean, so many problems turn into solutions two hours into a run. That's so cool. Yeah, I think I might have to to try that a little bit, just re- recording little things. Maybe I'll host a podcast while I'm running. <laughs> that would be difficult. I don't know about that. We'll see. I'll join you on that one, brother. That'd be fun, yeah. Uh, so there are days, though, when I'm sure you have trouble motivating yourself to go out running. Uh, I'm correct in saying that, right? Oh, sure. I'm not, yeah, I'm, I'm human. Okay. And, and so, so what do you do? Like, how do you motivate yourself? Like, I, I always – it's – just baffling to me how the night before I want to go for a run in the morning, I'm like, all right, I'm going to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I wake up in the morning and just zero motivation. And all I have to do is walk out the door and start running. And once you start running, it's fine. How do you motivate yourself? How do you get yourself out there? 
Well, there's you know a couple of different things. Um, <laughs> one is uh, is I, I love audio books, mm. so I listen to some you know because I used to love to read, and when you start training for as many hours as I train, you, there's not a lot of time to read. So, you know, <laughs> one thing is I look forward to the next chapter of a yeah, good book. Yeah. That'll get you out the door. But I think you you hit the nail on the head when you said you really just need to get out the door and start moving, and that's the hardest part. And there's a, a technique that psychologists just call um, projection. And it's a way to project the feelings, you know, endorphic feelings um, that you get after running mm-hmm. as a way to motivate yourself to get going. So instead of thinking about, oh, man, I just don't feel like doing this today and this is going to be grunt work and misery, look forward and say, in one hour, <laughs> I'm going to have that great high. The day is going to be so much better and, and use those thoughts and feelings and kind of put your head to that place as a way just to get out the front door. And, you know, the thing that I always tell people is there, I, I cannot remember a single occasion where I felt worse after a run than I did before a run. Mm-hmm. And I've talked to other runners. They said the same thing. They said universally, <laughs> I always feel so much better after a run than I did before. And, and we know that. And use use that knowledge to you know to, to motivate you just to get out the door. Yeah, that's that's cool, and that's also something that you apply to decision making in general. And like maybe that's a way of evaluating your decisions by saying, okay, how am I going to feel two days later from now after I've made this decision? But yeah, that's neat. Well, you know, and that that's me, and you know, that's a guy that primarily likes to train by himself. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you, that, which, as you know, requires a lot of self-motivation. Um, you know, other things that I know people have told me is they, you know, sign up for a group, a running group. And if there's a deadline and people are counting on you being somewhere at a certain time, you're much more apt just to, you know, go through the motions. You know, if you're supposed to be at a running store at 8 a.m. every Tuesday and Thursday morning for a group run, um, you tend to <laughs> tend to be pretty motivated. You don't even think about it, really. You're yeah. just like, okay, I got to get up and have a cup of coffee and get there. That's funny. There's also uh, one of my friends in college had this application on his phone where he put in his credit card number, and your your cell phone had to be within a certain radius of a gym a certain number of times a week. And if you weren't there for that allotted amount of time, then it would charge your phone. So that's another way of <laughs> that's another way of motivating. Whatever works, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just gotta find what's what works best for you. All right. So Dean, you've done marathons in hundred thirty degree temperature and negative forty and through all sorts of terrain. Our listeners like to hear what kind of gear our guests use. So do you have any gear, maybe running shoes, maybe some apparel that you would recommend for our listeners? Oh, yeah, I do. And, you know, I've got to preface this section of the interview by yeah. saying that I am, I'm sponsored by the North Face. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, which is a great company and a great sponsor. So a lot of the products I recommend are North Face products because I'm, I, one, I'm sponsored by them and I use their products. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that being said, um, I'm not going to recommend something I don't, I don't use myself and believe in. So, you know, the North Face makes a line of, of clothing called Better Than Naked, and the whole premise is that these fibers they use, these um, technical fibers, are so sophisticated that they actually work. <laughs> they keep you cooler than if you're just running completely naked. Hmm. So in hot conditions, I use the, the line of clothing from the North Face called Better Than Naked. And it, it's a pretty popular line. 
and you know a lot of a lot of athletes use it, uh, especially ultra marathoners, and that that's great stuff. It like I said, it wicks away moisture, and you're just amazed that on a hot day how cool this stuff can keep you. Yeah, that's neat. Okay, for for our listeners, we will throw that on your Meister profile page on our website, Dean. <laughs> and, you know, also I would recommend Mobin makes um, arm sleeves, so 100% protective UV arm sleeves. And we're talking about hot weather running now. Yep. So these are uh, these are arm sleeves you can put on that'll, that'll help keep the, the sun off your arms. And what I found is that Having um, sunscreen on in a lot of cases can make you, it can, you know, it can clog your pores mm-hmm. and make you sweat more. So sometimes they'll just slap on arm sleeves, UV protective arm sleeves, and they also keep you cooler. So you can put water on them if you want, you know, splash some water on them, and they really cool you off. Ah, interesting. To, to move on a little bit, I want to go back to this concept of goal setting. And I asked you earlier if you had a specific distance or a time when you run. And I guess the answer there is sometimes. And something that really interests me is humans are inherently loss averse, which means that it hurts more to miss your goal than it feels good to exceed your goal. And because of that, we try and we tend to try really, really hard to achieve the goal. Uh, but then we just stop there because, you know, we feel good, we've made it, um, we've avoided missing our goal. Does that tactic of goal setting ever affect your running, do you think? Or does it affect any runner's lives, I guess? You know, it's funny. When I agreed to do this uh, interview, mm-hmm. uh, I was told there'd be no math. <laughs> this, is, this is kind of like a very technical, quantitative question. Yeah. Um, but you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, we humans by nature are risk adverse, mm-hmm. and I think that's that's primordial, right? I mean, <laughs> that's a that's a you know a survival, self preservation instinct. Yeah, and yeah, and, and stepping out of that, I think, takes some self awareness. Just knowing that we are more apt to try to achieve a goal than to exceed a goal. The ways around that, I mean, I found that you know the the higher you set a goal, the more likely you are to fail, and. I mean, you know, you know the the quote that's so famous: "Failure is not an option." I think that's the wrong approach altogether. I think failure should be an option, and I think if you're not pushing yourself to failure, you're not really learning. So I tell people to, you know, set your goals extraordinarily high, and if you fail, analyze the failure, celebrate the failure, and learn from it. I mean, I personally, I know I've learned a whole lot more from my failures than my successes. I think when you succeed, you know, you just kind of high five someone and you're like, yeah, I did it. I pulled it off. And you don't think much about it. When you fail, you go through a lot of self-analysis and you, you really question, okay, why did I fail? What went wrong? And you really delve into the specifics on what you could have done better to prevent the failure. So I encourage people to set goals unrealistically high, you know, with the threat of failing. I 100% agree. There's a ton of value in in failing because it, it keeps you driven. You learn from that failure. Uh, totally agreed. When we apply it to the running, though, if you just refuse to fail, eventually it can become actually dangerous. I mean, there have been people who died doing ultra marathons probably because they're just so mentally strong and persevering, but their body can't keep up. How do you decide when to call it quits during these things? You know, that's a very fine line. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm, <laughs> I might be the wrong person to ask this question because I've probably <laughs> crossed it on a couple of occasions. But 
Um, I know I've crossed it on a couple of occasions. You know, people say, God, your string of accomplishments is amazing. You know, it's extraordinary. Well, there have been failures. I mean, there's been some spectacular failures I can tell you about um, where I've, you know, I haven't finished events. And um, kind of the criteria I use is I think if, if you're doing permanent damage to your body, if you're doing any sort of lasting damage, that is a time uh, to, to call it quits. And distinguishing, you know, between pain and potentially damaging pain is, is not easy. And you learn, you learn that edge through uh, experience. And that's why I think that, you know, the, the, the more seasonal ultra marathoners are sometimes the, the, the best racers. Mm. And they're the best at knowing their body because they've had so much experience knowing where that edge is, where, you know, that, that certain feeling in my leg is, you know, it'll go away, that numbness or that cramping will go away versus, oh boy, last time I had this cramping, you know, I, <laughs> I ended up in the hospital <laughs> with a blood transfusion. Yeah, yeah. Last question, Dean, to, to wrap this up. You inspire a lot of people out there. I mean, a lot of media and people out there love it. Who out there inspires you? Maybe a, a category of people, maybe another athlete? Boy, you know, that's, <laughs> I have so many people that inspire me. The list is long, but, you know, I would say probably my, my biggest inspiration is my father. So he's always been a role model of mine and a hero, and I, I've always looked up to him tremendously. But as far as, you know, athletes, I really admire athletes that have kind of blazed their own path. You know, there's a, a, a big wave surfer by the name of Laird Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Uh, who you might have heard of, and you know, he, contests. You know, to, to make a living surfing used to be through contests. I mean, you do surfing contests, and and Laird's a big guy, big physical guy that loves nothing more than riding the biggest waves. And you know, he did a contest, and the waves were you know about knee high, <laughs> and he's he's competing against all these little stringy kids, and he just said, you know, I'd, I, there's got to be another way. I mean, I, I'm going to be true to myself and true to my passions. So I'm just going to start riding big waves. And he built an entire industry out of big wave surfing. Uh, there's also a, a guy by the name of Tony Hawk you might have heard of, a skateboarder. And I really admire him. I mean, he, you know, he took skateboarding. He said, this is what I love to do. Yeah, it's just skateboarding, but it's, it's my passion. I love skateboarding. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a go of it. I'm gonna, you know, he, he built a career and a lifestyle out of, out of doing what he loves. And to me, that is kind of the model that I've used is, you know, people say I might be inspiring and motivating, but I think what, what I've done is I've given per- people permission to, to be true to themselves, to, to be what they are. I mean, you know, when I turned 30, I said, oh, geez, I don't want to be a business guy. I don't, it's not me. I don't feel comfortable in my own skin. You know, in business meetings, I love to run. And yeah, it's just trivial. It's just, it's just running. But it's, it's my hardwiring. It's what I really, it's where my passion is, and I'm going to somehow make a go of it. And I think people, people admire that. And I think it inspires people to, to be the best that they can be. And, and to me, the, you know, the mark of a, of a true champion is, you know, it's not how many accolades uh, I, you know, I, I achieve over my lifetime. It's not how many medals I've got in my trophy chest. It's, it's how many people that I can inspire to, to live a better life for them. So, you know, that's, that's kind of where I've gone with my careers. I'm just trying to do what I can to help others, you know, achieve their goals and their dreams. And if I can do that, I'll feel fulfilled. 
Dean, thank you so much for joining us today. For our listeners, you can find out more about Dean at ultramarathonman.com. And we'll also have highlights of today's episode on Dean's Meister profile on our website, mtnmeister.com. You can also follow Dean on Twitter and like him on Facebook. He is very active on those platforms and stays engaged uh, with his following. So thank you so much for joining us today, Dean. Thank you for having me run by. And um, to the listeners, if you see me out there on the roadside somewhere, just uh, bring food. Hello, Meister fans. Hope you enjoyed that episode with ultramarathon man Dean Carnassus. That was a fun one. Really enjoyed it. You know, sometimes I find myself getting desensitized to how impressive these accomplishments actually are. For example, you know, I'm doing my longer marathon runs on the weekends, and I'll finish up 10 or 15 miles and be aching. And then I realize I would have had to do that 35 times in order to do the run that Dean did it was 350 miles absolutely incredible if you actually break it down mile by mile if you know of anybody else who would be a really good fit for this show just let me know shoot me an email ben at mtnmeister.com if you're new to this podcast and like listening just subscribe on iTunes you can find us under the podcast sections in the iTunes store you can also listen on SoundCloud Stitcher Radio basically every other podcast platform. Thanks for listening, and until next time, I am Ben Shank.